Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. It's July 1st, which means it is the second half of 2021, and we have to start off this way. And I have to, I have, I have to admit, I'm, I'm just, it's, I, I can't get over the fact that Debbie, the Debbie Harry from Blondie is 76 years old today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, I just need another dose of this. I just need another dose. Um, were you, were you, uh, were you a Blondie guy? Were you into Blondie? I, I mean, was, yeah, was, was that before like, your time? I'm just not well, sure. It was, right? it was before, <laughs> it was before my time, but you know, a little, uh, just, uh, coming out of gay pride month with a little Blondie, uh, you know, she's kind of a diva and I kind of, I'm going to have to put one of those songs. I have a, I've got a little summer playlist coming to you. I'm taking over, uh, JVL's newsletter tomorrow oh, with some 4th of July, uh, ruminations mm-hmm. and, uh, it's a lot of spinach at the top. So I'm giving people some, uh, some you know f- barbecue candy at the end of it, uh, and with some with some music, I'll throw some Blondie in there for you. No, it's just she, I was I was a big Blondie fan. I and I have to admit it. I I really was. And Love so that. so we wake up this morning, and there's there's a lot of other things in the news. By the way, you may have noticed, but but the thing <laughs> the thing that uh, that hit me was uh, Blondie that uh, Debbie Harry is seventy six years old, and you know, as somebody as us. Even even though you have uh, acknowledged that I'm I am spry, it's still like, it, spry. It, it it hits me hard here. So I Blondie's got to be spry for seventy six. I feel like no, I I think it changes it. I mean, like 70 six has got to be the new forty if Debbie Harry is seventy six. <laughs> yeah. Could we just play a little bit more, Jonathan? Could we Do just it. play just a little bit more. Yeah. Ah, this is just good. Are you shimmying your shoulders, Charlie? I'm I am, shimmying a little. I, I am. I am. I'm, I'm moving just a little bit. Okay. So, hey, by the way, um, the month of uh, June marked the 11th straight month that we had more than 2 million downloads on this podcast. So uh, thank, thank you. That's uh, 11 straight months. should be 12 straight. We just barely missed 2 million uh, a year ago. But we're over 44 million downloads, and I really appreciate it. I really especially appreciate it because of all of these stories out there about how after the Trump era, nobody's paying attention to the news. If you notice this, I mean, the ratings are down, newspaper down, everybody, everybody's returned to sanity or something like that prematurely. Uh, so I, I, I do appreciate the fact that people are listening to the, the podcast, although... Sykes Mo, your, your newsletter numbers are up too. We yeah, have a Ben Smith profile of you, how you're, how you're kind of, go, what, what you're know. doing to break the trend. Yeah, it's too bad that I'm just like hitting the wall now, but... So, the last 24 hours, in case you missed it, we kind of had a, a flashback to a, a real news cycle. I mean, all right, so you have a grand jury indicting the Trump organization and the CFO, Alan uh, Weisselberg, but not Trump himself. Bill Cosby was freed. Big day for guys with quaaludes, I guess. House votes to create the select committee to probe January 6th, and only two Republicans voted in favor of it. We'll get back to this. Mm. Do- Donald Rumsfeld died. Uh, New York City election FUBAR is continuing. Death toll down in uh, Florida is continuing to rise, which is just horrible. Tucker Carlson is sticking with the NSA story. Uh, Trump goes to the border. And we're actually still talking about a, bri- a privatized military, this whole story about Christy Nome uh, taking some money from some fat cat right wing billionaire to send the uh, the National Guard uh, down to the border. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? So we... We have, wait, top, wait. Charlie, did you ever watch those Nexium documentaries? We had a, we also had a uh, jury decision in the Nexium. If you haven't, it is, it's fascinating. It's like this kind of, it was sort of like a TED Talk uh, a <laughs> group that turned into a sex cult. Oh yeah, that's the, right. The New York sex- Wild, Wild, yeah, and one of the, it's an actress. Kind of a C-list actress uh, from one of the, sh- I think the show was Smallville, was was r- the ringleader of this sort of sex cult, and she was she's going to actually spend some time in jail, unlike Bill Cosby, which is I don't well, know, maybe something to think about there. But uh, uh, you know, uh, we're just we're you know we, we've got the full plate of of news. We do, and, and then the Supreme Court's going to come down with its decisions today, including a big voting rights uh, decision, which also will spark all kinds of. Uh, uh, speculation that Justice Breyer might retire, waited until the end of the session. So, I, I don't, okay, is that could, speculation based on anything, or is that just wishing? Is that just liberal wishing? Have, 
Have you noticed how much wish casting there is? And, uh, There's a how, lot of how, wishing how, out there. How much punditry is not actually based on anything at all except wishing? <laughs> it's it is it is a thing. I it really I, is. And, and and then of course you have this story. I don't know whether you read this story. I obsess about certain things, but the story out of uh, Florida about how you know all the members of the the, the condo board. That the condominium that, that collapsed had resigned because there were all of these internal disputes. You know, somebody ought to actually do a, a whole monograph on how, you know, condo boards and homeowners associations are the worst arguments against democracy that exist. Seriously. I mean, if you, if you really have like real faith in democracy, do not spend <laughs> watching a condominium board or an HOA. I'm, I'm just, I am just saying. So should we do a lightning round here? Hell Yeah. Okay. I so, love lightning rounds. I love games. Do I get a prize at the end? Uh, yeah, you, you you get to be in that uh, that that contest that apparently we have at the Bulwark, where you get the T-shirts. So and so is always right, or anything. All right, great. So uh, does does Justice Breyer retire? Yes or no? Ever or this year? <laughs> like like in the next month? No. Okay. Are the Democrats dumb enough to actually kill the Biden uh, infrastructure bill? No. Okay. Will Kevin McCarthy take any action at all against uh, Paul Gosar for hanging out with, no. uh, with neo-Nazis? No. No. Will not. Kevin McCarthy follow through on his threat to strip any Republican who serves on the January 6th committee of all of their committee assignments? Will, will he strip Liz Cheney of her committee assignments if she's named to that? Will he do that? Uh, I get, I'm going to say no. I think it's an empty threat. I think he's a wimp, but we'll see. All right, that's that's what that's that's, that's really all. That's I got. the lightning round. Well, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, part of it is I want to I, I want to get to some of the contrasts. Okay, I, yeah. I, I do find it amazingly. I, it's almost too easy these days. You kind of like want to have to work a little bit of this, but the contrast between the Paul Gosar. Where Kevin McCarthy's like, eh, nothing to see there, you know, anti-Semitic, uh, you know, anti-Semite, Holocaust denier, Nazi, you know, no, no, no big deal. Versus if you investigate the January 6th insurrection, you are out. I mean, this is really something is, I mean, so Kevin McCarthy had a hell of a day yesterday. You know, Gosar versus Cheney, the, the whole idea that, you know, we're not going to investigate January 6th, but... If Tucker Carlson says he is being listened to by the NSA, we actually have an investigation. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, I mean, Amanda's article today is that, it, like, some of this stuff happened so late it didn't even get in there. And it's already just de absolutely devastating when you when you just go through McCarthy's actions from the beginning, from from supporting the Texas letter uh, 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 to, you know, that, that would have eliminated the votes, the legal votes of people in other states, Pennsylvania, et cetera, um, all the way through, obviously, booting Liz Cheney. And then now, you know, his actions yesterday, uh, it is a damning uh, chronology of events uh, by McCarthy. And, you know, in the lightning round answer, no, I don't think it's completely out of the question that he would strip Kinzinger or Cheney of their committee assignments. I, I just think at the end, you know, cooler heads maybe prevail, right? You, do you want to like create another news? I just, the news cycles around Liz Cheney was, were so horrible for them. Like, does he really want to create another wait, round of news wait. cycles? Okay, wait. Cooler heads will prevail. Tim Miller. Where have you been the last four years? <laughs> I mean, really, I know it's early out on I, the coast, but I mean, really. Okay, I mean, strategically speaking, uh, strategically speaking, Kevin McCarthy has a few people around him who are like, do you really want to pick this fight unnecessarily? I, I, I do not mean cooler heads will prevail in the sense that, like, he will come to his senses and Paul Gosar will, will be admonished and Kevin McCarthy will recognize we need a bipartisan infrastructure. I, I don't mean in, in that sense. I just mean in the sense of, do you really want to be a hothead and pick another and create another Liz Cheney news cycle? Really? I, I mean, maybe does I, I guess it's i don't think it's completely out of the question but I, I just think it's so obviously stupid strategically that that you kind of assume that that he'll just you know hope wish we're back to wishing wish it goes away uh, it's not just the liberals that, that wish sometimes it's it's the it's the maggots um but I, look I, I mean i think that you know there is no getting around the contrast that you, that you laid out between the treatment of ghosts are 
and the treatment of Kin- Kinzinger and Cheney. And what Gosar is doing, just as a quick aside, uh, you know, I, I wrote that profile on him a few months ago. Um, I, I, I mean, it's worse than Steve King. It's worse than Steve. Way King. Not, worse. Not, yeah, Steve I mean, King is quaint compared to Paul. Right. Gosar. I mean, what Steve? I mean, Steve King was doing the you know sort of subtle tongue-in-cheek white nationalism, right? I mean, after he after he got kicked out, he really kind of went whole hog in the white nationalism, but. Uh, you know, I mean, he was doing the uh, kind of I dare you to call me out on this stuff, the heavy, heavy, heavy subtext, the, you know, you know, extremely loud foghorn dog whistle. Paul Gosar is explicitly saying I will uh, co-sponsor an event with an avowed white nationalist. And I know a lot of Gen Z conservatives are white nationalists and we got to let them in the tent. Uh, you know, and, and that is in addition to. Which obviously Kevin McCarthy doesn't care about his complicity uh, in the stop the steal and the rally on January sixth. You know, I mean that Ali Alexander who organized the rally said that he came up with the idea with Paul Gosar. So uh, you know, Gosar's uh, um, uh, complicity here is just I mean there is no gray area at all. Uh, and and for him to get a pass while Cheney and Kinzinger you know get wrapped on the knuckles again. I mean, what, what more do you need? And the other contrast I pointed this out yesterday is only two of them, only two of them vote for this select committee, while 20 are down at the border taking selfies. Okay, with so them. I actually have your Sorry. tweet here. Is that at this <laughs> moment, there are about 10 times more Republicans taking selfies with a man who inspired a domestic terror attack on the Capitol than there are Republicans voting to investigate the attack. Really snarky there, Tim. But, I mean, it puts put your hair it's on true, fire. literally true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, is it snarky? I mean, I guess no. it is. It's true. No. It's a, all the anti-anti-Trumpers were mad at me for using domestic terror attack. And I was like, what do you want me to, to write? See, capital siege, storming of the Capitol, uh, you know, fa- beer punch coup. Like, like, what term do you want me to use that, that would make you feel comfortable? I mean, this is... Uh, I just I feel like the further it is such a replay of the entire last half decade, right? The further you get away from any Trump atrocity with this being the worst of them all, you know, the more people want to just sort of cloud the edges of it and just, you know, we got to go back to it. And, and anybody who wants to keep bringing it up and keep talking about what actually happened, you know, they have TDS. They're the ones with the problems. They're crazy. They're they're in, in league with the libs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess guilty is charged on all that. But I, I think that the week, the night of that storming of the Capitol, I think when we had that sad um, uh, live stream, you know, the Bulwark Plus live stream that evening, um, I think that had you gone around the table and said six months from now, there are going to be 20 people, 20 House Republicans taking selfies with Donald Trump, you know, while he, while he brags about his, his, you know, man, woman, person, camera, TV, cognitive test moment. And, and there will only be two people who think we should even investigate what had happened that day in the Republican caucus. I mean, I think even us jaded, negative bulwarkers uh, would have been like, that's crazy. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, we'll at least investigate what happened. I mean, everybody will at least be for that, right? And, you know, people will at least want to no. Uh-uh. No, I, he's, I, he's totally in good standing now, and 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 anyone that wants to even even care about what happened to Officer Fanon is the person that that needs to be held accountable. This it's is absolutely this, insane. This is part of the reason I'm a little bit cranky here because it it it, it does feel like you're sometimes screaming into this you know void of of of, of crazy. But that that vote yesterday was. Uh, was surprising even to those of us who I think have been almost completely numbed. And then this argument, I'm just coming back to Kevin McCarthy again, who is just like the worst of the worst, Um, you know, complaining, well, you know, it's all partisan. And the the, the talking point accepted across the board by Republicans was, we have to vote against this because this is not an evenly balanced panel uh, that Nancy Pelosi is creating. I'd say, wait, Republicans had the chance for the the, the evenly balanced panel. You voted against it. UK Republicans killed it. But I guess that was also what was demoralizing was was with 35 Republicans. How many Republicans voted in favor of the commission? It was a big number, right? 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah, thirty though. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe thirty-five. Yeah, and and yet and yet uh, only two: uh, Adam Kinzinger and uh, Liz Cheney, and, and that's it. I mean, that's that's the rump of the party right now. I mean, it's you even it, lose it, it the Fred down. Uptons and, <laughs> yep, and everybody, Peter Miser, everybody. I, it's it's and they've accepted this, and that is, I, and I think that it is parallel in. You know, in the commentary set, right? I mean, you know, commentary itself, uh, National Review. I mean, I don't. Maybe I missed it yesterday, but I'm not seeing a lot of you know that crowd being upset about this. You know, even the even the the folks who said he Trump should be impeached. You know, even the people who have have been to whatever you know you know for whatever however bad they were for four years were good on the fact that January sixth was unacceptable. And Trump needs to be held to account. Even those people are, are are now buying the Kevin McCarthy line about how this is a partisan thing that they can't support. You know, the very people yeah. who were cheering on, you know, 90 years of Benghazi hearings. Right. I, 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 it's just I, it's hard to really, you know, kind of a- accept that that, you know, everybody who is even a smidgen to the. I guess right isn't the right word, but smidgen to the, you know, Trump accept Trump enabling side of us is going to say what happened on January 6th. It's time to move on. Yeah, like the, no. the time to move on has is, is now the accepted, you know, stance for everybody, you know, to the you know outside of us and David French. You know? It's like there's nobody. Well, actually, and by the way, it was 35 House Republicans who voted for that independent. 35, which is kind of amazing. And then yeah. remember, 10 Republicans voted to um, impeach Trump. And, it, and now we're down to now we're down to two. By the way, speaking of January 6th, I just put in a plug for this. I don't know whether you had a chance to watch the full 40 minute video that the New York Times folks put together, uh, you know, reconstructing what happened. They took um, they pieced together all of the existing video and they come up with a compelling narrative of what happened. And it is it's painful to watch and you kind of have to take a deep breath to sort of commit to watching it. But it is so overwhelming. Um, the case that they make about the way it was incited, what happened, how anyone could watch that and think that it was anything other than an insurrection inspired by Donald Trump, I don't know. But the, but of course, the reality is, Tim, is the people who most need to watch it won't. Elise Stefanik is not sitting in her office watching this right now. Kevin McCarthy will never watch this. Steve Scalise will never watch this. Um, probably even uh, Wisconsin's own Mike Gallagher, who uh, used to be a principled Republican, won't watch this because the case is so overwhelming. The indictment is so unanswerable. So they all had <laughs> to watch it. I, no. like, and this is I know this is a frustrating part. It's like where you feel like you're going crazy. I mean, we we lived through all this with impeachment. Right. I mean, you know, the Times did a great job not to take anything away from that video, but 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 it was all clear as day with the videos that the uh, you know with Raskin and his team you know showed during the impe- during the impeachment trial. Okay, so speaking of which, and, and I know that you talked about this on uh, on one of our on, on the Next Level podcast. The um, thank you for uh, listening. Unlike Bill. Uh, uh, are we are we doing this Michael Wolf thing again, Mike? I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, Michael Wolf, you know, was you know basically was a big hero for anti Trump folks until people realized the guy was a complete scam artist. He was making shit up and he was completely discredited. He was actually thrown off the set of <laughs> Morning Joe, and the guy is back. And it's like, really, we just did this. And yet people are going, hey, well, uh, let's talk about the Michael Wolf reconstruction of events. I, look, there's so much good stuff. Why do we go with the crappy stuff? Yes. And this is I, I, this is actually the frustrating part with me about, and I'll, I'll get to Wolf in a second, but like all of the Trump books coming out yeah. right now is that there, there, I feel like that there's this focus. And, and I, lo- I, like, look, I like Michael Bender who's at the Wall Street Journal. I like Phil Rucker's at the Post. I'm sure that there'll be good stuff in some of these books. But, but it feels like all the leaks, you know, you're always starting with this. You know, Trump, you know, wanted there to be an a-, a moat with alligators and, you know, for the alligators to eat the immigrants or, you know, and all this, these sort of rid- whatever ridiculous thing that Trump said in overall office meeting. And I guess we should know all that for history, but it's kind of like, isn't there enough on the record of what he did and said and tried to do that, that we do we, why do we have to, 
you know, it feels like the media requires a little new nugget of a secret sentence oh, that well, Donald yes. Trump said that may, that may that proves that he was actually so mean. You know, it's like, I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about some of that stuff on these shows. And and, you know, it was fun to read the little anecdote of General Milley telling Stephen Miller to shut the fuck up or whatever. Um, I enjoyed that. The scenes. Oh. I enjoyed that. Right. More, but I want more I, of that. Right? Yeah. But I just I more. just think that these notions of Trump like. Of, of here is this fantastical dialogue where Trump said something crazy to somebody. It's like, we know he said crazy shit. He said crazy shit in public. We all watched all of his speeches, right? I mean, we, we know. And, and, and I, and I almost feel like it, it, it I undermines, you know, the, what's actually on the record nah. and let's, and let's Republicans do this fake news stuff. So anyway, so, so speaking of letting Republicans do this fake news stuff, there's nothing more fake news than the Michael Wolf. You know, which is just fan fiction, right? I mean, at least the other guys have sourced quotes with, with you know, and followed rigorous rules of journalism um, and, you know, and have to have to, to, you know, demonstrate to their editors that these are true. Michael Wolff is just a, fa- is, is a fabulist. Yes. And, and you read the chapter that came out and it reads, you know, the guy can spin a good yarn. He's a good writer. He, you know, he should have written historical fiction. You know, it reads like Primary Colors, uh, which was a yeah. great book, right? I mean, and, and had some truth to it, right? Primary Colors, you know, took from the real Clinton story, but it wasn't. Nobody thought it was real. What actually happened? Well, what was his when he was when he was challenged on some of the things that were clearly not, so we say, strictly true? What he says, well, does it strike you as true? You know, do you right. want to believe it? Is it the kind of thing that confirms your priors? Because that's, <laughs> I mean, really, that's what he said. And it, it does like, strike us uh, as true. And it's and there is probably an underlying truth to all of it, right? Like uh, to assessing, nah, you know, kind of. But, but but that's bullshit. not jur- that's not journalism, though, right? Right. <laughs> It's historical fiction. You know, it's like Rudy's playing the drunk. Rudy's drunk in every scene. <laughs> it's just like, I'm sure Rudy's drunk all the time. But uh, you really had this? I, you know, and then so, there's the so, obvious source greasing. You know, I, I, this is one I mentioned on the next level, but I just have to mention it. Jason Ivanka. Miller in this story. Compl- oh, both of them. Jason Miller claims that he was laying in bed with his wife who he had cheated on all day during the insurrection. It's like, yeah, I'm sure he was just, you know, in his tidy whiteies watching cable news all day and didn't, act, you know, wasn't actually talking to the president until I finally came in when he f- put out that responsible statement at 9 p.m. And then Ivanka is behind the scenes saying, I was mostly just happy that my kids had gotten into the school. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure you were really concerned about your kids getting into school. Um well, that's the other. That seems that's real. Uh, yeah. Are we still going to keep doing this? The Ivanka and and Jared, Ivanka and Jared were really deeply concerned. Ivanka and Jared pushed back against all of this. Ivanka Jared wasn't Jared, there that day. He was on a plane. <laughs> Jared's never there. <laughs> it's like, okay. And yet there are reporters who are apparently on speed dial who will you know write the story about uh, that? Okay, well they are really now they're alienated from from the orange guy because of the election, and so we're gonna, we're going to do that all over again. So uh, speaking speaking of um, the, the 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 culture in the, in the Republican Party, I think we need to kind of change some of the the framing that we've had because it's it's getting old, you know, and we keep talking about you know being tribal or it being a cult. I'm starting to think that we need to like keep like pushing the the envelope on this. That it's not just okay. any cult; it's a cult of sadomasochism. Because have you noticed the Republicans are sort of sitting around going, "Yes, you know, thank you, sir. May I have another one?" It's like no matter how whatever they do, they get punished. They Trump inflicts pain, and they like it. So, speaking of which. Mitch McConnell, who has done almost everything to grovel to the orange, uh, you know. Man. I just have to just really quick to interrupt yeah. you and just say that my mental vision of you going straight from sadomasochism into Mitch McConnell, I, just yeah. something flashed across my brain that I, I wish know. I could bleach. You, you know what? I'm I'm hoping to inspire one of your not my party videos. <laughs> okay. okay. Because I, I, I want you to mentally start thinking of Kevin McCarthy and uh, Kevin McCarthy and, and Mitch McConnell um, as, as as Trump's bitches here, okay? Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you you saw the and, and you know part of the reason I'm thinking about this is that that whole episode over the weekend out of my home state of Wisconsin, where Trump lashed out at the state Republicans for not going along with an Arizona audit, and 
one of the state senators, I think he's the president of the state senate, Chris Kappinger, wrote this grovelly thing. Oh, Mr. President, please don't hurt us anymore. Or please do hurt us more. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I wear my Trump socks. and I'm going to put my Trump mask on when I get on a plane. And please, will you let me touch your golf bag? And it's like, oh, this is their response. They're, you know, he lashes out at you. And you essentially say, thank you, sir. May I have some more? But how is this working out for Mitch McConnell? Let's play this. So um, the orange one is on with Sean Hannity last last night. And for all the things that Mitch McConnell has done for Donald Trump, look where he is right now. The reconciliation process. Well, we need better leadership at the Senate level. You need better leadership. You need somebody better than Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell can no longer do the job. When you... He actually thinks he can fire Mitch McConnell now, which is actually kind of of cute. But... I mean, can he not? I don't know. Um, I mean, I think if he really wanted to put his mind to it, um, he certainly could... Turn the turn the party against him. Um, I, I would think. Uh, I, you know, look, I, Mitch has 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 come to terms with the fact that he has to deal with this, right? That he has the ball gag in his mouth, and it's the one thing you he's see? not allowed to see? talk about. All he's right, come to see, terms with it. You're running with it now, aren't you? You're yeah, going he's with come it. To terms, he, yeah. He's come to terms with it. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think he feels like if he can get John Sununu recruited in New Hampshire, I mean, Mitch has not changed his mindset from over a decade ago, right? It's it's the same, uh, you know, it's, just, it's, it's 2010 before Trump was even here. And he's like, well, I got to deal with Christine O'Donnell and Sharon Angle. But if I could just recruit somebody good in this other state to get myself into the majority, I mean, that, that's just, that's it. He's happy to, he's happy to take Okay. It. But speaking of which, um, you had a very interesting observation the, the other day about the Senate race. Uh, now that we're finding out, or at least we're hearing from Trump, yeah. uh, that Herschel Walker, who has issues, is going to be running for the, uh, for the U.S. Senate in Georgia. And Herschel Walker, who has serious issues, um, um, is very likely to very very possible he will be the nominee against uh, Ralph Warnock and and you pointed out that there's a pattern here right I mean this may turn out to be in 2022 one of the worst classes of Republican Senate candidates since the whole Christine O'Donnell Sharon Engel fiasco of 2010. Or is it 2012? Yeah. Which, which that was 2010. Yeah, yeah, that was 2010. Yeah, and then Aiken was 2012. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a bad back-to-back years. But um, uh, the 10 was 10 was worse. There was one other really horrible one in 2010 besides Angle and O'Donnell. But I'm blanking on it. Um, but uh, you know, look, Georgia's winnable. I mean, Raphael Warnock lost the first, mm-hmm. um, you know, election. Right? I mean, he, he lost in the first round. He won in the runoff. Um, and so, I, you know, for the Republicans to put up, you know, Herschel Walker is is literal insanity. I mean, it's madness um, to put up a guy that has issues, but, you know, also is an explicit uh, supporter of the insurrection. You know, and they learned nothing from the Georgia runoff. Um, But but it's not so if you look at, you know, Ohio, we might get into it. My my party's on J.D. Vance today, but Josh Mandel is an insane person in in, uh, North Carolina. I guess they did avoid Lara Trump. But this, you know, Ted Budd is an insurrectionist. That's who that's who Trump supported. The Missouri Senate primary is just totally just batshit all the way down. Uh, They have Arizona um, right now. Uh, or the attorney general is, is is potentially the favorite, but you know Andy Biggs, or you know who is Gosar's you know sort of butt buddy, might get into that race. Um, New Hampshire, they might be able to recruit the governor Sununu. So there's a chance for McConnell to save this. Um, I, I, there was, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we're waiting on Ron John. Uh, insane person is running in Pennsylvania. So uh, it is. It's not a good lineup that the Republican has. Now they can win in a first year midterm with a bad lineup um, for sure. So this is not I don't think that, you know, Chuck Schumer needs to be doing any victory dances yet. But, uh, you know, they are leaving a lot of potential seats on the table with uh, with a completely crazy list of candidates, uh, you know, at this point. They, they are. And I, I have the flashbacks to um, to uh, 2010. And I mean, that was one of those years where I remember afterwards. There was a, a big push in the Republican Party to can we do something about the crazy and the stupid? Because we've just blown a chance to take control of the Senate because of the crazy right. and the stupid. And that, of course, that that movement went 
pretty much nowhere since we got Trump and everybody else. But uh, yeah, the, I just the, have to say because it was my home state, it just came to me. Yeah, Ken Buck was the one who's now a crazy congressman, but that he ran against Jane Norton, who yep. was my former boss, lieutenant governor. And that was when Gardner Corey got in Colorado before Colorado had kind of gone blue. So that was a winnable state that that year too. Anyway, well, just, since it's my home state, and that's when I forgot, I had to correct myself before I got chastised. Ohio is really extraordinary because that is a very yep. winnable seat for Republicans. And this Josh Mandel rate, I mean, this is just, it, it, it's one of those where you, you can't really be serious. Um, and, and J.D. Vance, who has completely remade himself from being a quasi-author intellectual to being, you know, complete MAGA. And, you know, and part of the problem with these guys that, that sort of become the fake MAGA or they, they decide they're going to make the switch is they have to be more extreme than, than you know, more extreme than extreme. You know, I mean, J.D. Vance is like putting on his MAGA clothes, putting on his MAGA mask every morning. So so the tweets are even crazier than you'd expect from a normal MAGA guy, if you follow what I'm saying. Yeah, it's the Holly syndrome. Yes. Right? Like you right, have to overcompensate right. for the right. fact that you're a super nerd. I, you know, the Mandel, who's the other guy in Ohio, um, you know, is 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 lighting his, the mask on fire. And he just looks really awkward. And, you know, he's like, this is my tea party. And it's, just, it's like, it's cringe. As the kids would say, Charlie, it's it is cringe. cringe. It's just cringe. And JD, I had to go through. So, so this week's not my party, which if you're not, uh, if your kids are not downloading on Snapchat, we're so close to 100,000 subscribers. Really? So please tell them to subscribe on the, on the cusp of 100,000. And um, uh, it, I, I went through JD's. Uh, you know, like last month of comments, I just kind of binged on it. And I mean, it, it's, it's, it is to your point, it's literally, you know, madness. I mean, he has to do the performative over the top, like general Milley was not just inappropriate, but, but he is, you know, um, he's spitting on the, the, the men and the conservative men who serve in the military and who are disproportionately serving there as if there's no minorities that serve in the military. And, and, you know, he, he's showing video, of of vi- black men visibly holding guns and you know he has to attack yeah. you know it's just like he just it, it just it, you know everything like every little tweet of his is is tucker carlson on steroids and it's hard to like buy right i mean he still is kind of a nerdy yale guy right he just doesn't have with trump i don't think that there was ever any doubt I and mean, this was you know sort of um what was the old um uh like he was the wolf in sheep's clothing and trump was like the wolf in wolf's clothing and people liked that was something that people liked right when people said that trump tells it like it is that didn't mean that he didn't lie right? when they said that they meant that he said what he really thought right and, and that was a benefit something that trump had and i don't think that the mandels and vances and hawley's give that off. I don't think people listen to them and say, these guys are saying what they really people think. Want think yeah. yeah, people want authenticity. So if you're authentically crazy, people might buy it. But if, right. if you're bullshit crazy, if you're fake crazy, if you're performatively crazy, people will see through it. Interesting. Hey, by the way, Tim, breaking news as we take okay. the podcast. Now, of course, breaking news you know, I'm, the fact that people will be listening to this, you know, 36 hours from now over the weekend. So it's not breaking news, but I wanted to get your reaction to it. Okay. Um, this has actually happened. This this is real. Nancy Pelosi has appointed Liz Cheney to the select committee on January 6th. She did hey. it. She pulled the trigger on that. That's oh, like, it's been, wow. Yeah, we, we've been pretty negative, but it's been a pretty nice little run for the, for the never Trumpers. I just have to say, I mean, yeah. there was this few analysis of the 2020 election yeah. that confirms what we basically all knew, which is that Biden's, you know, gap over Hillary was largely former Republicans or former Republican voters, at least, you know, maybe swing voters, but you know, you're sort of stereotypical, you know, kind of suburban um, Republican types were the difference. Um, the, so, headline, you know, the, head, think, the headline in the New York Times on that Pew study was Biden gained with moderate and conservative voting groups. In fact, it was the gains among conservatives that rivaled Trump's far more publicized surge among Latinos. And if he had not gotten those conservative votes, he would not have won the election. So, yeah, this is a little, a little yeah. happy dance for the, yeah. the, uh, the, the, the folks who had been written off by American politics. But Nancy Pelosi, on the back. hey, and so th- th- this is a gutsy move by Nancy Pelosi putting yes. Liz Cheney on. This is, this is, remember we, we had speculated um, that, 
it would have been a good idea for Nancy Pelosi to have named a Republican to the uh, the impeachment, that impeachment, um, the prosecutors group. Yep. Um, but she did it. Now the question is, now we'll find out, Tim, whether Carmel heads will prevail, whether Kevin McCarthy will, in fact, strip Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, she is just. I, I disagree with her on a lot of stuff, but that woman, I mean, she's got, she is, um, cojones. Yeah. I, as I was trying to avoid saying that, <laughs> but steel. Well, nerves of steel. Is, she is the metal, the iron lady here. The metal. Um, yeah. And so this is where I was going to, to your point about this sort of never Trumpers run. We were pressuring the Democrats on this. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, the never Trumpers don't ask for much. I always say that all these liberal interest groups are like, we want this, we want this. And we were like, we just want to get rid of Donald Trump. But one thing that a lot of us were vocal on was there should have been a Republican on the impeachment uh, trial committee. Uh, and there should have been one on this select committee. And so I'm, I'm glad that she's done that. And, and I just list, you really can't say enough about Liz Cheney. And, and I'll even go further to, than you were saying uh, when you said you disagreed with her on some stuff. I, I kind of, I kind of actively disliked her. Um, you remember when she ran in Wyoming the first time? She was kind of running as the crazy, you know, contrast to Mike Enzi, who was kind of a harmless pre-Trump, you know, Republican, not great, not anything special, but you know, whatever, uh, you know, one of these sort of old line Republican types. Um, and 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 one of the things that she she ran on was was you know this sort of anti-gay marriage stance, like right kind of at the end of the gay marriage fight, right around the Supreme Court battle, and and. And that bugged me, you know, and she had her sister who's a lesbian and like the way that she handled it was bad. And I, 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 I sort of carried this dislike for her through that as, you know, kind of figuring that she was, you know, one of those kind of Republicans that I, that, that I was, that was sort of not on my side of the party of our intra-party fights when it was more of a sort of Tea Party establishment type deal. Uh, and and man, have have I completely turned on her and and good on her. And you know, it doesn't doesn't absolve her of of you know things that she did in the past that I disagreed with or anything like that. But this takes real metal. It really, and, it, and, and especially like, yeah. when she represents a state that Trump won by what you know 40, 50, 60 points. Yes. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be an easy primary. But more than that, it's a future of the party. Can you get that? You know, I and mean, I think that you watch what the Migers and the Catcos are doing with their you know trying to do this two step. Part of the reason they didn't do that vote is they're, they want to have a future. You know, they who knows what happens in 2026, right? I mean, Liz is really potentially completely blowing that up. And, and I think that, you know, there's also something to... It does seem based on some of these behind the scenes stories that, that, um, her father's supportive of her in this, but, you know, there's also additional pressure to, you know, kind of be a, a scion, be part of a Republican family name to want to kind of go along to get along so you can still rise up the party ranks. And I mean, she's really putting herself on the line here and saying maybe it's a, I, this might be, this could be the end for her as, as being a, able to be a Republican in good yeah, standing. Yeah. I, that I was thinking about that yesterday, why she might not want to be on this committee because this might be the dagger for her you know, re-election campaign. So here are the members of the committee. Um, I have the list in front of me right. here. Um, most of you will know this, so listening to this podcast, because this will be old news by the time you hear it. Um, it uh, members of the committee are uh, appointed by Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Benny Thompson, who is the chair of the Homeland Security Committee. Um, is it Zoe Lofgren? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, chairman of the uh, Committee yes. on the House Administration. Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Pete Aguilar, uh, House Administration and Appropriations Committees. Liz Cheney, member of the Armed Services Committee, at least now. Uh, Representative Stephanie Murphy, Armed Services Committee. Jamie Raskin, Oversight and Judiciary Committees. Jamie Raskin did a great job during the impeachment. Yeah, right. um, and, and Elaine Luria, who's a Navy veteran, uh, Armed Services and Homeland Security Committees. Uh, so that seems like a very, very strong lineup to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, they're going to have a lot to work with. Um, so that's so they've got that going in their favor. Um, I I think that the the main question is, you know, is the political one at this point. I mean, I, I'm sure that they will be able to uncover and get to the a, a lot of the bottom of the the facts about sort of the run of show and what happened at the Capitol and, and what the failings were there. And the big question is what was happening in the White House. You know, to me. And, and and I think that like what remains to be seen and having Liz on there, I think 
helps to this end, but is like, can they get Meadows to testify, right? Uh, you know, will they be able yeah. to shake anything loose? Uh, and I think that's an open question. Well, somebody reminded me yesterday of this, and this is something I knew, but I've forgotten like so much of this going on. But, you know, we talk about the Benghazi committees and how they didn't really come up with anything. But the reality is that the Republican and Benghazi committees, um, you know, did have extensive subpoena power and it was their investigation that uncovered the whole Hillary Clinton email story. And that right. whole story would not have come out had it not been for those committees. And arguably that ultimately, um, you know, kept her from the presidency. So who knows where, where this is, is going. Okay. Let me just switch, which gears here, because I, I may have a slightly unpopular opinion here. Uh, these indictments coming down, huge story, uh, today, you know, the, the, the indictment, uh, Alan, uh, Weisselberg, uh, who is the, you know, guy that controls all the money and knows everything has apparently surrendered himself. Uh, the Trump organization is going to be in, indicted. Uh, he's going to be indicted for mainly tax charges, not Donald Trump. I have to say that I know there's going to be a lot of heavy breathing from the folks who had been wish casting about what uh, the Mueller report was going to come out. I'm feeling a little underwhelmed by all of this. I saw that David Axelrod said that he was hoping that the prosecutors understood the optics of not coming out with weak ass uh, charges first out of the box. Uh, I'm not sure that they took his advice. I understand this is just the beginning of the process and this is designed to get, you know, get people to flip. I just don't know that these tax charges are going to be enough to make people flip. Uh, the fact that it's just state charges, it just doesn't seem to have lived up to the billing. And I, I think what you're going to see is a lot of pushback on the right saying, with all of this hype and everything, this is all you got. I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm afraid this is not going to play out the way shall we say, the MSNBC green room um, is, is hoping it's going to play out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I was hoping your unpopular opinion was going to be something we could argue about, because I like to argue. Oh. I thought maybe you were going to, you know, nip, you know, go after my Biden's doing a great job article or something. But uh, we are we have no argument here. Uh, I I feel like I am the most bearish of all of the virtual MSNBC green room guests on, on this um, at this point. And, I, you know, I hopeful, right? Hey, hope, you know, who knows? Uh, and uh, I'm not a prosecutor. And sometimes one thing leads to another and the ball gets rolling down the hill. I don't think that there's any doubt in anyone's mind, even Trump's own fans mind that Trump, um, you know, broke the law and cut corners in his business. Uh, I think that was pretty much accepted. And he basically bragged about that. Um, and so, you know, potentially something could land in his lap. But yeah, I, I'm not getting too excited yet. Um, it's a uh, it's a nice headline. It makes people feel good to the extent that if you're if you're just you know want a little bit of Schadenfreude uh, and and enjoy you know the fact that that the Trump organization has to you know spend a lot of time in boardroom meetings with lawyers and that's going to cost them money. Uh, you just enjoy that Schadenfreude. But I but as far as something bigger than that, I, I'm not yeah. See, yeah. I'm now I, I, again I. If the feds were involved in this, I would think there's more of a chance of the flipping. But that the fact that the feds are sitting out and it's just state, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't think it's going to go where they are. And yeah. and, and then, you know, and I'm listening to the people saying, well, you know, how devastating it is just to be indicted. And we'll we we'll see how this we'll see how this plays out. It's not good for Trump. I mean, I'm not buying the play, the political playbook great. argument, you know, but you know, you, you, what was you, the playbook you, argument? I missed that. Well, that they were saying, you know, that this emboldened the president and this this was going to ensure that he runs again because, you know, he's so thrilled that he's not personally charged and he's going to, you know, cast this as a political witch hunt. And yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's that bluster going on, but I mean, it's not good. But it, the, anyone who thinks that this is going to take Trump down or take Trump out, I think is being highly um, is being hi highly naive. And by the way, but you speak. Of, of of tells you're a little yeah. feeling a little sensitive about your fanfic um about um about uh, joe biden you know being the great politician <laughs> that you published the day before his epic gaffe on infrastructure you so you're feeling a little bit little touchy on that you thought I'm i was gonna bring that up i just uh, i'm not feeling touchy i was just hoping we could disagree you you kind of poked me in the slack <laughs> on that and so i was like let's take that public I, I i stand by it um you know joe biden's gonna gaffe from time to time and uh but but he cleaned it up right and this is this is the thing if this is the biggest uh, you know 
hiccup that Joe Biden has that he that he says that he's going to you know that he says he wants two bills to come together to the White House and then and then there's a little bit of blowback and he says okay actually I'll just take one at a time that's fine too like that so that's the big gaffe that every that the Republicans are excited to jump on I'm sure that's really gonna resonate in uh, Pawtucket um, but look I, I I don't I think that I just I really do think that that right now it's easy to get stuck in every news cycle and and to to wish that there was more and to, to you know think he hasn't given everybody every little goodie that he wants but like politically speaking given the state of where the country is given the last three presidencies i mean who's had a better six month run in the last three presidencies than joe biden's first six months i mean with uh you know surviving the insurrection getting the vaccines out there getting the covid relief package the economy's on the on the run I mean, the last three presidencies have, have, have all had bigger hiccups than that in every six-month period, it felt like to me. Well, I, I, I did think it was a pretty bad gaffe, and it was, it was one of those kind of remind you that he's Joe Biden. On the, on the other hand, um, you know, after a few days, he was able to put the deal back together again, or at least it looks like he's able to put the deal back together again. Oh. And, and he was able to reassure Republicans, don't worry, I'm not going to veto this bill that I just endorsed because that would be profoundly stupid and I'm not going to do that. And they believed him. And the reality is, is that they believed him because he's Joe Biden and he had stored up that kind of goodwill. Not every president, I think, would have been able to put it back. Now, yeah. of course, the question is, is whether progressives are going to go, well, OK, but if we don't get everything on our wish list, we're going to, you know, take our ball and go home because this it, it, is it, the biggest bluster phony. These guys yeah, are all going to okay. fold like a cheap suit. Come on. I mean, you know, maybe three people in the house or whatever. But if you tell me that Ed Markey is going to be the one that scuttles this deal. I mean, I, w- I will eat my hat if, if one of the Democratic senators are the ones that scuttle this deal. It's, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I have a hard time imagining them doing it. But, you know, this this and I, I think I said this yesterday to, to Mona uh, on, on the podcast. If Biden does, in fact, pull this off and get these bills through, it will be an incredible um, legislative achievement. I mean, my hat's off because when we think of big legislative wins in the past, um, these were done with with very substantial uh, majorities. And of course, as we know, he doesn't have that kind of substantial majority. So I think the analogy, the very strained and not terribly um, uh, original analogy I was using was is that it's it's like watching him try to thread a needle while walking across a tightrope above you know a pit of alligators. So if he pulls that off, I mean, hey, kudos, um, you know. And, and Who you, are the and, alligators and, in this now? And, and and you can and you can write the, all the fanfic you want. I mean, about this. So <laughs> it was not okay. It was not fanfic. It was a it was a clear assessment of the fact that Joe Biden's political instincts continue to be better than the Republicans who now hold nothing, and then the and the left who keep wanting to demand that he does things that he's not out there willing to do. I mean, like I talk about being right on defund the police. Um, you know, being right on on at least the attempt to work with republicans i mean i just i just say like imagine imagine if this ticket was flipped and i don't i don't want to pick on kamala who i think is you know kind of in the barrel right now it has an impossible job yeah but like you know do you really think that kamala would have held the line like biden did on defund the police funded local police signs do you think she would have held the line on at least trying to do a bipartisan thing do you think her numbers would be at 52 percent right now i just i just don't think so i think that biden has unique is not perfect, but has uniquely demonstrated a political instinct to be where he is right now. And, and a lot of the commentariat um, is, has been giving him bad advice and he hasn't listened to them and he's been, and he's been right. So that's, so, I, I stand by that. Okay. So fair enough. Um, Want to comment on Bill Cosby at all? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I was, I was more disappointed in, 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 in Claire Huxtable and Felicia Rashad for coming oh, out into his defense. I was that like, was, oh, did you have to do You didn't know, you see, you didn't have to. Can that was the thing she did in private. See, um, the thing about, the thing, I'm sorry, the thing about Bill Cosby is, and, and I, I grew up, you know, as a Bill Cosby fan, I used to have the actual albums of his comedy routines. I mean, that's how far back I go. I mean, this was even before I was a fan of Blondie. I mean, this goes way, way back. Okay. So this is this is a thing, you know, and to, to have Bill Cosby, you know, America's most beloved dad go down was was one of the real, I mean, you know, cultural breaks. But now you look back and you go, 60 women 
drugged and okay. raped and molested 60 women. And he was out in a, it felt like a minute yesterday. And, and I'm sorry, this is, this is a cliche, but you know, it, it, it helps to be rich and famous and a celebrity, um, in America. And, um, it, it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to feel that, that the cause of justice was substantially advanced, even though the court decision may not have been wrong, given the prosecutorial incompetence and misconduct here. I mean, that's the way it works, yeah. but not, not a great day. I will just say this and add to it. And, and, you know, I'm guilty, but we're all guilty of it is sometimes of, um, you know, because there are plenty of overreaches in the new, you know, in our new kind of you know, sort of woke um, sexual and racial awakening that has been happening, you know, over the last few years. And so there's a lot of times criticisms of that. But, but you know, there have also been some really eye opening moments that have been extremely positive about about this. And, 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 and con- the result of Cosby is terrible. But the fact that he was so beloved, right? Like the fact that it was Bill Cosby that came out and do, did this, I, I think, you know, in a way where like Harvey Weinstein, everybody kind of knew this is, you know, everybody right. sensed this is a bad guy and like you know, this kind of stuff happens in Hollywood in some sense is a little bit of a dog bites man. But, but the fact that it was Cosby, I think, started the ball rolling on this sense that, oh my God, like, like in, in a lot of corners of our society with people you didn't even suspect, there were a lot of men that were, Acting in a way that was wildly, uh, you know, inappropriate, more, and that's the understatement of the year. That, that were acting in horrific and debased ways, and, and you know, I, I think that 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 there's been an awareness about that that has come to the fore over the last few years. That is at least, I don't want to say a silver lining of the Cosby situation because of his of all yeah. of his victims, but you know, I, it, that it, it, at least I think it's positive progress. And then I think that a lot of times, you know, people focus on on you know things that they don't like about the you know um about the me too movement or the you know the discourse around all this stuff but but i do think because of what you just said about the nature of him and his and his personality it opened up a lot of people's eyes to be like you know i need to i, I need to re-examine some things about what's um you know what i've seen in the workplace well i think that's true so what, what i'm going to do when we're done with the podcast here switching gears completely okay yeah, from sure. from from something serious um i'm going to download the full blondie playlist um <laughs> put it on put it on bluetooth take the dogs for a walk and uh just reflect on july 1st i love that you're a blondie man this is just like a totally new vision of you that i did not kind of have in my head i don't i don't know what i would have expected i would have expected i, I don't know that maybe you were like a chris christopherson kind oh, no. of guy N- Oh, that, that's, that was cold. That was just cold. You'd actually be shocked if you knew what I listened to. I mean, you really actually would because, I'd you know, like when you see me on MSNBC when I'm wearing the tie and the suit and everything, yeah. that's only from the waist up. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> okay. Only from the waist up. Tim Miller, thank you so much for joining me on the first podcast of the second half of 2021. Appreciate it very much. Time's fine. Anytime, Charlie. And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again. Mm-hmm.